Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Welcome to church. For those of you that are in the room, those watching online, and our friends listening on the radio this week, it's a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you today. A few weeks ago, we kicked off this series we're calling Rapid Response. Week one, Pastor Matt talked about what Jesus said about anger. And as we're walking through this, we're not just talking about the topics, but we're talking about the response that God's calling us to take in those things. Last week, week two, Pastor Gary, he talked about what Jesus said about hate. And today we're jumping into Matthew chapter six, and we're gonna read what Jesus says about worry. So let's go ahead and Go through that text. It'll be on your screen, Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I don't know about you, but whenever I read this passage of Scripture, this portion, this conversation with Jesus, my typical response is, Jesus, you're too late. I have already worried about all of these things and more. I've worried about how I was going to provide for my family. I've worried about what people have thought about me. The other day I left the office and I had some things I needed to take care of and in the middle of the night I woke up and I remembered that I did not restock the toilet paper in our office bathroom. Being worried about that, that might not seem like it's a big deal to you, but if you're having a bad day and you're the one in the bathroom without the necessities, I've worried about whether or not I was good enough. I've worried about how I'm gonna take care of important things. And yes, even clothes are important. Last time I checked, it's still illegal to walk around like Adam and Eve with your business in the street. Years ago, when I was in the process of planting a church in Pennsylvania, I was trying to learn as much as I could just felt completely inadequate, and so I was reading books, I was going to conferences, I was listening to podcasts, any church planting pastor that would sit down with me, I would buy their coffee, because that's all that I could afford, just to try to listen to them talk about church planting and what they had learned, because I wanted to do the best I could to reach as many people as I could that were far from God. And during that season, now this may have changed culturally, but 10 years ago, there was some church planting experts that were speaking into that space. And during that season 10 years ago, some of these consultants, they talked about some of the questions that people that were new to faith or exploring to faith would have before they visited a church. And one of the number one questions, which was surprising to me then, 
uh, was what should I wear to church? And, and the thing is, it kind of baffled me. I grew up in church and I grew up in a church when I was younger that was like three-piece suit and a tie or you weren't going to heaven at all. And then the far other side where you could wear whatever you want and trying to process this. But one of the reasons why they explained what do I wear being such an issue for people that were new to faith and even considering going to church is that they knew that if they would walk into the church not dressed like everyone else, they would stand out. If you're brand new to this thing and not just to a particular church, but to faith altogether, the last thing you wanna do is stand out. So I remember, I, we need to make this important. We need to make this evident on our church website. We had a frequently asked questions section with a couple of questions. One of those had to do with our children's ministry because that's another thing. A lot of people will come to your church if your preaching's bad and your worship's bad if you have a great children's ministry. They know that you're taking care of their kids and we have an incredible children's ministry here. But one of the, yeah, you can go ahead and clap for that. Now I used to say that when I was the children's pastor too, but it's still true. Honest to God, our children's ministry is the most important part of our church because they're our future, and so it's important. But one of the questions that I had on the, the FAQ page was what our dress code was, and I, I tried to figure out how to make it clear and articulate it well, and so here was my response for what our dress code was. Wear some. That was it. Just come as you are, but come with clothes on. And it seems silly, and we can laugh about it, but Jesus knew we were gonna worry about these kinds of things. That's why he wrote about it. That's why he shared it with us. That's why he spoke into this. The second thing that comes to mind every time that I read this passage of scripture is how. <laughs> like I hear Jesus saying, don't worry, but how do I not worry? Like I appreciate the fact that he's telling us this stuff. I appreciate the fact that he's talking about taking care of the birds of the air and that those jokers don't have to go to counseling to work through their issues like I have. I appreciate him talking about the plants and that they don't have to take medication to ease their mind when they're overwhelmed like I have at times. But so clearly, I'm not doing this right. So Jesus, how do I not worry? How do we live not consumed by worry? And for some of you right now already, you're already saying, worry's not my issue, but you know somebody that struggles with this. And for some of you, you would say, worry is not my issue, but it is your issue, you just self-medicate over it and it distracts you from worrying about it. And that's a completely different message. My point is, is that Jesus has something for all of us today in his word. And here's the thing, I, need, I think we need to start right where Jesus starts when he clues us in at the beginning of this portion of scripture when he says this. He says, therefore, I tell you. Who's telling us? Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying, therefore, I tell you, do not Worry, And our answer is the one speaking to us. He's the one speaking this hope into our life. The answer or solution to our problem or to whatever the thing is that we would worry about comes from Jesus. It is, in fact, Jesus, which brings us to our big idea for today. We can either worry our way to Jesus or we can worship our way to Jesus. Jesus will take us as we are. We choose that path. But here's the thing. Worry magnifies our problem when worship magnifies our solution. He is the answer. He will take us as we are, we choose the path. Psalm 34 speaks to this beginning in verse one. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad 
And oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When we magnify something, it gets bigger. In fact, it solidifies our focus. Granted, it steals our focus from other things. When something is magnified, other things that are around it get smaller. It reminds me of the chorus of this older song. Some of you may know it. And turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And I love this line. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And even though at times we all do it, there is a cause and an effect with this thing because worry magnifies our problem, but worship magnifies our solution. And we can either worry our way to Jesus or we can worship our way to Jesus because he is the answer and he takes us as we are, but we choose the path. But how? How do we do that? Number one, we need to remember who said it. We need to be reminded of who said this to us. Some religious and faith backgrounds recognize Jesus as a person in history. There are folks that don't trust him as their savior that believe he was a good person and some even refer to him as a prophet. But he is so much more than just those things. He truly is the son of God. He's our savior. And throughout scripture, Jesus has been given so many names, and I've shared this with you before, but I myself and a man of many names, somebody gave me some names this morning out in the hallway after I said this. You know me as Jimmy. My government name is Bobby. When I was in school, that's what they called me, Bobby James Akers III, kind of like a king, but not that cool. But when I was in high school, I remember I really wanted to stand out. So I'm like, I, I, I was working on this, my first acoustic record with my brother, and I called it the James CD. And on the back, I had this thing, which at the time I thought was really clever. I said, I was born Bobby, I've lived as Jimmy, but I worship as James. You gotta say it in that voice, right? Occasionally when I go to Mission Barbecue, they ask for the, the name on my order and I tell them awesome. Because I love when they say order for awesome and then I walk up and everybody laughs. But here's the thing. My name doesn't make the demons tremble, but the name of Jesus does. He bears so many names. He's our advocate. He's almighty. He's alpha and omega. He's our atoning sacrifice. He's the author of life. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author of salvation. He's the beginning and the end. He's the bread of life. He's the bridegroom. He's the chief cornerstone. He's our chief shepherd. He's Christ. He's creator. He's deliverer. He's the first and the last. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the great high priest. He's the head of the church. He's holy and true. He's the holy one. He is our hope. He is our hope of glory. He is the horn of salvation. He is the I am. He's the image of God. He's the king eternal. He's Emmanuel. He's king of Israel, king of the Jews, king of kings, king of the ages. He's the lamb of God. He's life. He's the light of the world. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's our mediator of the new covenant. He's the only begotten son of God. He's our great and God and savior and our holiness and protection and redemption and righteousness and sacrifice Passover lamb. He's rabbi. He's resurrection and life. He's our righteous one. He's the savior. He's the son of David, the son of God, the son of man, the son of the most high. He's the one mediator, the stone the builders rejected. He's our true vine, the truth, the way, the word of God. So many names I could go on for days talking about how great God is. But here's the point of all of this. That's the one who told us not to worry. All of those things, all of those names, 
all of those hats that God wears in our life. He is the one that told us not to worry. The point is, <laughs> is we can trust him. Romans 8, 31, when we read things like this, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we overcome worry? We remember that we're not alone because we remember who said do not worry because Jesus is the one who said that and we don't have to worry because he might show up but because Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Prince of Peace, our Emmanuel, which means God with us, is still with us and as he proclaimed, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave us nor forsake us and because he said that, that's why we can take this as good. Number two, we choose the path of worship over worry when we renew our mind through it. See, he doesn't just give us himself. He gives us a way to process this in a healthy way. He knew we were gonna worry. That's why he spoke into this. In Romans 12, to do not conform to the pattern of this world, like everybody else is dealing with this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But how do we renew our minds? Well, we're kind of doing some of that right now. But here's a way to spell it out in Philippians chapter four, beginning in number, verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What have we done this morning? We're saying, God, we're here. We're here to worship you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. These songs of God's goodness that we've sang about this morning, we've prayed about this morning. And look at this promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I love this. Finally, brothers and sisters. Turn off the news for a minute because whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. But it's about how we're processing and what we're letting in to help us process it. We are transformed and work our way out of worry into worship when we pray, when we share our request with God, with gratitude. And then when we think on these things, life, giving things, things to be thankful for instead of upset about, we exchange our worry in for worship. And in the middle of that exchange, God gives us peace that doesn't make sense. Peace that you can't manufacture on your own, you can't fabricate, you can't lie about, you can't buy somewhere. It only comes from one place, and that's from the Prince of Peace. Which brings us to number three, in a way that only God can, we move from worry to worship when we release the weight of it. When we release the weight of the mess that God never intended for us to carry. And Jesus is not saying, don't worry, because you need to ignore the problem. He's not telling us to ignore the problem and act like it doesn't exist. He's saying, don't worry because the problem may be in front of you, but the solution, God, if you're a follower of Jesus, the solution is in you. He wants to carry the weight for you. And this is not a self-help seminar. You can't fix all of your problems, but Jesus in you, working through you, God can bring change into your life 
And sometimes he'll even change your situation, but he'll always change you. He wants to carry that weight for you. Have you ever stayed in a really nice hotel where there's someone waiting to carry your bags? Anybody ever done that before? When I'm traveling by myself, especially for missions or I'm going to preach somewhere for missions and I'm by myself, I actually tend to stay in very, very inexpensive establishments where you're actually concerned somebody's going to take your bag. And so... Sometimes I'll check in, and then when I go to dinner somewhere, I'll take my bag with me. <laughs> Sir, is there a problem with your room? Nope, no problem with my room. There's a problem with this neighborhood. I'm not leaving my bag in there. <laughs> I actually traveled to preach a wedding for a friend, and somebody came up to grab my bag, and they Sir, this is a service that we offer. It doesn't cost anything. We'll take your bags for you. I was like, no, man. He's like, no, this is what we do here. I'm like, that's cool, but I'm not from this neighborhood. You're not taking my bag. So sometimes this can be hard for me when people want to help me with things like this. And a lot of you may be able to relate to this even just in the last couple of weeks, but for a lot of us, we've been dealing with a lot since the hurricane, been working nonstop. And, and the thing is about my rhythm of life is that I, I work a lot, um, but part of that is because I love what I do. And I love what I get to do for our church, to be able to work for the mission. I love to be able to serve. But the truth is, is, that sometimes I get tired and I don't always have great parameters with that, especially when we're in the midst of a season like this. I'm not good at telling myself to stop. And so because of that, Pastor Matt and some of our staff saw some of the weight that I was carrying with the long days that I was walking through, and they actually gave me a mandatory two days off. And um, I gotta be honest with you, when I should have responded with gratitude, I actually told somebody from our church, I said, well, yeah, I'm gonna actually, I've been given two days off. And they're like, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it should be, but why am I not thankful for it? And I realized it was because I struggled, just like Pastor Gary was talking about the guilt of being better off than other people. I struggle with this thing sometimes, not realizing it and not calling it this, but that I'm worried I'm gonna let somebody down. And in the last couple of weeks that somebody's gonna fall through the cracks and then hundreds of messages coming in almost every day for almost three weeks straight that somehow we're gonna miss an opportunity to serve somebody that desperately needs us to be able to do that. And the thing is, is that I don't have a God complex. I know I'm not Jesus. If you think I'm him, you are going to be extremely let down, I promise you. The only thing we may have in common is an awesome beard. But here's the thing. Pastor Matt and forcing me to take two days off. He gave me permission to rest, and I needed it, and I feel better because of it, and I appreciate it. But the truth is, is I also have to recognize this, and some of you need to recognize this too. That feeling like you're gonna let somebody down and the guilt because you're better off than somebody else, as Pastor Gary already shared this morning, that didn't come from God, so who gave it to you? Here's the thing. Sometimes we need to be reminded of these things. Sometimes, for sake of not wanting to miss someone or let someone down, we struggle to try to carry that weight on our own. And that's what I was doing the last couple of weeks. And I didn't even realize it in that way. But I'm so thankful. In fact, even one day this week, I kind of snapped at some of our staff. I responded in a way that I typically wouldn't. It was out of character for me because of being so tired and my fuse being so short but it was evident of my exhaustion. And thankfully, 
Pastor Matt spoken to my life in that way, and I'm so thankful for that. But Jesus, he wants to speak into your life in this way. He wants to give you permission to rest. And yes, there's a season for everything. There is a time to work, but you also need to let God set the pace of the rhythm of your life. And especially when it's out of rhythm, and it has been out of rhythm for a lot of you, especially over the last couple of weeks. Here's the thing. I understand this whole carrying the weight thing physically because I've struggled with this my whole life or I've neglected my physical health to take care of everyone and everything else. But the problem is it has affected me negatively and at times has limited my capacity. And now I'm fighting uphill to try to correct some of that stuff and some of those unhealthy patterns in my life. But here's the thing, friends. Every time I release the weight of those things that I was never intended to carry into the hands of Jesus, he leads me where I'm supposed to go. He helps me handle it in a way that's healthy. And that's why Jesus said things like this in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's why we can go to encouragement like this in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse one. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run. We can continue to run towards God. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We choose worship over worry when we remember who said this to us, when we renew our mind through it, when we release the weight of it, and last but certainly not least, when we remain connected to it. Not connected to our worry, not connected to the weight, not connected to those feelings of guilt and shame like we're gonna let somebody down, but when we stay connected to the hope that we have in Jesus, Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We put our hope in all kinds of things that let us down all the time. Let us down all the time. We remain connected to the vine. That's one of the things he's calling us to. We talked about that series not too long ago about the fruit of the spirit, John 15, five. I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you will remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't understand this much here in Florida, but in other places when there's a cold temperature, especially during a winter season, a lot of times the trees will lose their leaves and lose their fruit. And sometimes some of those trees and bushes will even look dead, but because they're still connected at the root to the vine, the branches are still connected. In season, in due season, those branches will bear leaves and fruit again because they still have life flowing through them, even through seasons where it doesn't look like they're bearing fruit. And if we will remain connected to the power of the resurrected Jesus, I don't think there's anything wrong with cross necklaces and those kinds of things and crucifix and those kind of things to remember who Jesus is. And we have a large cross up here to remember the sacrifice, the ultimate price that he paid. But every once in a while, when I see a cross with Jesus on the cross, I just gotta remind myself. And sometimes it's just a conversation with me and Jesus. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You're no longer on the cross because you got back up. Because he got back up, we can get back up. In Romans 8, 11, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Again, it's the God in you. You're not a God, it's him 
working through you. And if the dead, raising, water-walking, King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, Emmanuel, God with us, said, do not worry because I'm here. And he said, do not worry because the breath in your lungs and the heart beating in your chest proves that God is not finished with your story. Even though sometimes, though this can be hard, we should strive to do the best that we can to choose to magnify God instead of magnifying our problem. To magnify our solution and not just our struggle. We should aim to pursue Jesus, the fountain of living water, and worship him instead of swimming in a stagnant, bacteria-filled, life-draining pool of worry. And we can do this by choosing to remember who said it and renew our mind through it and release the weight of it and remain connected to it, the hope of Jesus, which brings us to our takeaway today. What worry do you need to release into the hands of Jesus? What thing are you carrying that God never intended for you to carry that you need to let go and give to him today? We can't always choose our circumstances, but we can choose our response. And here's the thing, even as we walk through this in the next minute or two, your problem may not be solved today, but if you will put the weight of it and what you're carrying and release it into the hands of Jesus, you can leave lighter today in Jesus' name. And he's ready when you are. And this was the end of my message a couple days ago. This is where we were gonna close in prayer. But then I heard this interview of Mile Adcox. He runs a counseling center called Onsite. And on this interview, he started talking about experiential three-dimensional counseling and how it can lead to healing because God made our brains to process things with different parts of our brain. And he made this so simple that even I could understand it. And he said this, he said, when you're talking or when I'm talking and you're listening and when I say something to you, it activates and we begin to process it with one third of our brain. But if we show you something, hence us putting the words on the screen while we're talking about it, it activates two thirds of our brain. But if we can somehow make what we're doing kinesthetic and somehow put our hands into motion or into action or doing something, it activates all of our brain. That's why I move around all the time when I'm preaching because I need every bit of help I can get. <laughs> but here's the thing, when we worry, it consumes and gets lost in our thoughts. And sometimes can not only just affect us emotionally, Spiritually, it can impact us physically. I've watched people get sick because of worry. So before we pray today, and we're getting ready to close, I wanna invite you to do something. And some of you do this already sometimes when you sing or when we're during worship. And some of you never have. And what I'm referring to is opening or lifting our hands. And I, I can tell you this, there's hundreds of scriptures about this. And I just wanna share a couple. First Timothy 2.8, I desire then that in every place men should pray, lifting up holy hands. Psalm 63.4, so I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. Psalm 134.2, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Lamentations 3.41, let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. And I heard someone say, you know, as an adult, lifting up my hands can be weird. Like, I'm in trouble. 
what did I do? I'm in trouble. This is not good, right? But I remember my friend, he's a worship pastor, and he's been doing this thing for a long time in ministry, and I remember him sharing this thought when I was a teenager. He said, you know, when I, when I had my first son, and he got to the point where he could walk, he said, I started to understand my relationship with God, my heavenly father, better than any other time in my life, because when, as soon as my hand would touch the doorknob, I could hear pitter-patter. I wouldn't even cross the threshold with the door open, and my son was running to me with his arms raised, not just to get my attention, not just because he was in trouble, but he wanted to let me, his father know, his daddy know, that he wanted me to pick him up and embrace him. That's what God wants to do for you this morning. He's just waiting for you to release it into his hands. Let him embrace you. What worry do you need to release into the hands of God today? I'm gonna pray. If you wanna close your eyes, you can close your eyes. And if you wanna do this as a physical expression of surrendering the worry or the weight attached to it or whatever you may be carrying this morning that you know God never intended for you to carry. With our hearts and our minds fully engaged, let's open up our hands. Let's physically, emotionally, and spiritually release the heaviness that we've carried into this place, into the hands of Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? I'm raising my hands because I got some stuff. Thank you, Lord, for hands raised all over this room. God, for brothers and sisters that are watching online in their living rooms, in their bedrooms with their hands raised this morning, God, you see us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, God, for your love and your grace. Jesus, we thank you for this encouragement, this challenge to not worry. God, help us to recognize that you're the one that said this to us. Help us to release the weight of it or whatever we're carrying today into your hands. Help us to renew our minds and to hold on to who you are. And I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, God, that have come in here with a heaviness. God, your word reminds us you give us beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and a garment of praise in exchange for a spirit of heaviness. And God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, we would give you the weight that you never intended for us that we would magnify you, our solution, instead of our problem, and trust you with it, even our worry. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.